So let me start off first by praying, and we'll get right into the message. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I ask you, Father, that you would touch every heart, Father, in this place, Father. Let the seed of this word, Father, take root, Lord God, and germinate and grow, Father, in us. We thank you, Father, for what you are doing, Lord God, and we thank you right now, Father, as we proclaim, Lord God, that you are, Lord God, the king that sits, Father, on the thrones of our heart, and we thank you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, all right. Before I get into the topic of the message today, I want to first start off by going over some statistics, and then I'll enter into why the topic is important, and then um, we'll go into the actual series that we're getting ready to start inside of the uh, wisdom for daughters of God. So let's start with some statistics first. So, so you can see how and why this topic is so important. There's 17.4 million children live in fatherless homes, which is roughly about one in four children. As of 2019, a quarter of the 121 million men living in the U.S. are biological fathers to at least one child who was under the age of 18. Seven million American dads were absent from the life of all of their minor children. Female-led homes with no husbands had an alarming poverty rate of 47.6%, and that's more than four times the rate for kids living in, living in families where both parents are present. Divorces are the leading cause of fatherless homes, followed second by out-of-wedlock births. Based on the statistics on fatherless homes, 30% of the fathers had gone through a divorce. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent patients in substance abuse centers come from fatherless homes. Boys without both parents present, present are twice as likely to become gang members as boys with both parents present. 56% of all jail inmates grow up in a single parent household or with a guardian. Fatherless homes have been linked in research to increase risk of infant mortality. Fatherless homes have been linked in research and show that adolescent women from fatherless homes have a high chance of getting pregnant. Fatherless homes have been linked in research to higher rates of suicide in high school students. 
and fatherless homes have been linked in research to the increased likelihood of young men engaging in criminal activities. Fatherless homes have been also linked in research to low education levels in African-American women. So sadly, we, the church, are not exempt from the ills of our society and the changing cultures around us. Neither are we immune to the fallout from fatherless, fatherlessness in our own homes. So we must become aware of the orphan heart syndrome and engage wisely to shift it before it becomes entrenched into our own personality and our own culture. We must recognize how it gradually finds its way into our souls and operates destructively in our everyday lives. And we must intervene least we become casualties of war to the orphan spirit. And therefore, this lesson is important because our orphan issues are the fruit of what is happening across this nation. The real pandemic is not COVID-19. The real pandemic is fatherless homes. We want to deal with the fruit. We want to protest and we want to yell, black lives matter. But the first black life that matter was your very own children. So we begin with the beginning. The title of today's message comes from a mini series inside of our major series, Wisdom for the Daughters of God, called Orphan Issues in Women. And the title of today's lesson is the beginning and the root. And from there, we begin with Satan. Now, before Lucifer became Satan, he was an archangel who had the same level of importance as Gabriel, the messenger, and as Michael, the warrior. He was formerly known as Lucifer, the angel of light. For the devil, the most important thing was and is still today is self and nothing else mattered. Now, if we contrast this to the example that Jesus set, he was always in the attitude of what? Prayer. He spent time on his knees and did not make any major decisions without first consulting the will of his father. This was because Jesus had a heart of a son, and it was always aligned with his fathers in heaven. So Lucifer said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He wanted to be higher than God, which was in direct opposition to the spirit of Jesus, who loved nothing more than to come under subjection or submission to the will of the Father. Jesus was willing to submit even till what? The point of death. Lucifer, on the other hand, believed it was no longer necessary to follow God. So when Lucifer decided to live outside of God's realm through what? Self-exaltation, 
and believed that he could thrive independent of God's love and substance, he became what? An orphan cut off from the source. Now, by doing so, he also released what? The orphan spirit into the world. When he did what? When he fell like lightning from heaven. So we all have been taught that what? God loves us. We all been taught that. We also know that what? Jesus cares for us. We've been taught that. But we have never really realized up until now that the ultimate goal of Christ was to take us from the cross to our home with the Father. Our mind could never see it that way because we had no idea that before, everybody say before. Before. Say before. before. Before the fall of man, before the fall of man, we were all a part of God's family. And the Garden of Eden was our home. And home is where what? The presence of our Father is. It is a place where heaven intersected with earth, a place where there is a connection between the Father and his children. And so, as long as Adam and Eve, what? Stayed connected, everything was perfect. But the devil came and disrupted the bond between the father, the son, and the daughter when the first children disobeyed the father's command by having a conversation with what? A strange voice. And finally, they had to leave their home in the same way that Lucifer had to leave his original home in heaven. And when the children of Adam carrying the orphan spirit were scattered all over the planet, they desired to build their own kingdoms and their own systems of government without considering what, if they were in line with their father's will. So as this independence came from the tree of knowledge that made them what, wise in their own eyes, outside of the wisdom and the counsel of their father, They had to learn to do what? Live on their own outside of the Garden of Eden. So we see here that the orphan spirit is released and activated after the loss of a home. Now that's important. Now, I'm getting ready to break up the orphan spirit and the orphan heart. Because I hear a lot, you know, people interchangeably use those terms, the orphan spirit and the orphan heart, and they are not the same thing. And so from this teaching, I want us to get a better understanding. This is the first foundational teaching for orphan issues in women. I want us to get a real hard understanding because when we're ministering to other people, I want us to have an understanding with the words in which we use that the orphan spirit is totally different from the orphan heart. And so we're dealing right now with the orphan spirit. So Let's do a, I have a quote up here from Frederick W. Robertson. 
Frederick W. Robertson describes a home as this. He says that a home is the place in all this world where hearts are sure of each other. It is the place of confidence. It is the place where we tear off the mask of guarded and suspicious coldness which the world forces us to wear in self-defense and where we pour out the unreserved communications of full and confident hearts. It is the spot where expressions of tenderness gush out without any sensation of awkwardness and without any dread of ridicule. That was his definition of home. Now, we'll go to the definition that Jack Frost gives us. Jack Frost defines a home as this. This is probably one of my favorites. A place of both refuge and nurture. It is where we go after a very tiring day. It is a place of comfort when the world knocks us down. It is an oasis where worn out spirits are healed and rejuvenated. It is a place of learning where we are taught how to deal with life's challenges. This is why we have to ask the question, how can a person live life without a home? Therefore, the Garden of Eden was the first home that our father created for his first son and his first daughter. It was a perfect place where there was love, there was peace, and there was abundance. Food and provision were everywhere and no one had to labor in order to eat. It was a blessed place, a mini version of heaven on earth. Yet the only reason it was considered a home was because there was a connection between the father and his children. Without the Father's love, the Garden of Eden would have just been an ordinary place. So, in a real home, there's warmth, there's security, there's provision, there's guidance, there's peace, there's joy, there's the abundant life. A person with the orphan spirit does not have access to these things. They live as if they have nowhere to go, as if they have no home. So the inability to connect with a father can bring a daughter to a place of desolation. In the spirit realm, she is like a wanderer in a barren region, unable to find peace, rest, satisfaction, identity, provision, comfort, joy, and a purpose for her own life. So now we get into what is the orphan spirit? What is the orphan spirit? Now remember, we're doing orphan spirit first, and then we're going to tackle the orphan heart. What is the orphan spirit? The orphan spirit has a different value system, and it, it insists it can do a much better job than the father can, number one. Number two, it is a spirit that sets itself against the father's love. 
Number three, it is a spirit that chief's joy is to separate children from their fathers. It is the same spirit that destroyed the relationship between Adam, Eve, and God, and it is the spirit that came from the heart of the serpent in the Garden of Eden, for he was and will continue to be the first orphan. His primary goal is to turn everyone into a version of himself, fatherless, disinherited, and lost. So before Satan released the orphan spirit, the Garden of Eden, like I said, was a perfect place to raise a family. The king presided over the family, wanted to be a father to his children, and longed for the hearts to be connected to his. And this is the reason why the ministry of reconciliation is so important. When we assist the father to bring children back into the home, we add souls and children back into the Garden of Eden, back into the family. So... What is the remedy to remove the orphan spirit? Now, the orphan spirit can be removed. The orphan heart, on the other hand, has to be healed. Now, we're going to go through what is the remedy to remove the orphan spirit. First thing, number one, Jesus, the cross. The cross is the thing that brought us back into our Father's presence. We preach Christ crucified not because of the blood. We preach Christ crucified because it gets us through the door back into the garden where our Father is. The Bible says when Jesus gave up the ghost, the veil was torn from the top all the way to the bottom. When, when we talk about the cross, most people talk about the blood as the removal of the sins, but few people talk about the veil that was torn. The veil separated the holy, what, from the holy of holies. The removal of the veil brought us back into the presence of our Father, back home, back into the Garden of Eden. So if you notice, the same way the cherubims were placed to guard the tree of life after Adam fell are symbolic to the same cherubims that stood on top of the Ark of the Covenant that was in the holies of holies in the temple behind the veil. And that is why when Jesus answered his disciples, he said, when you pray, you start with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is also why we lay down the foundation of Christ before we build anything, and that's also why Christ is the cornerstone when we build that sets all the other stones in its place as we work in the spirit to what? Edify the building the body of Christ, or the church. The cross brings us back into Eden, back home, back into our Father's home, back into our Father's arms. The second thing 
that removes the orphan spirit is salvation. Because it brings us to the adoption process. It brings us back into the family of God and we receive our inheritance back, Romans 10 and 9. And it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So when you gave your life and said, I want Jesus to be Lord over my life, at that particular process, and when you said that, literally the adoption process begins to take place. There is a spiritual process that happens that the natural eyes cannot give an account of, and that's the adoption process that happens when you moved into one kingdom into another. You stepped out of the kingdom of darkness in which Satan was your father, and you moved into the kingdom of light in which God the Father now is over. And Romans 8 and 15 tells us just what happens after we do this. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So when you gave your life and allowed God to be Lord over your life, he removed the orphan spirit and replaced it with the spirit of adoption. And from that moment, you were giving access back into the garden, back behind the veil, back into the family of God, back into the kingdom of light, back into the garden of Eden, back seated in heavenly positions, back into your father's presence. Amen. And the third process of removing the actual orphan spirit is sonship. Sonship is the growth process which through grace, because you're going to need grace in order to grow up, the growth process in which through grace helps us to grow into the full measure of Christ to be a full, mature daughter of God. So this is the process of removing the orphan spirit, the cross, salvation, Sonship, sonship. So if you have been born again already, the orphan spirit is no longer in you. But you have been given the spirit of adoption. The orphan spirit was replaced with the spirit of adoption. Amen? Amen. All right. So now that we've got that cleared out, I don't want to hear nobody say, I got the orphan spirit. <laughs> Or I'm dealing with the orphan spirit. If you've been born again, you got the spirit of adoption. Amen? Amen. So, now we have to deal with the orphan heart. Now, that is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the orphan heart. Now, let's go. We're probably already there, Romans. Yep. We're going to go back to Romans 8 and 15 to also deal with the orphan heart. It says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, the spirit of bondage 
is the same as the orphan spirit. Okay, this is, was this in Romans? So this is Paul's letter to the believers in Rome, and it was meant to educate them on the basic doctrines of salvation and the general principles of what the Christian life. His desire was that the followers of Jesus would put the shared truths into daily practice, which of course is wisdom. He wanted the truth of fatherhood to become the foundational standard for their mindsets and conduct in life. He used the terms bondage and adoption to explain this. So we're going to get into those terms. The first term we're going to get into is bondage. And I think I have it up there for you. Yes, bondage. Now, in its original Greek language, it is the words duolia, a term that is defined as servitude, dependence, or the state of being a slave. It is the state of a person in which he or she is prevented from freely possessing and enjoying a full and wholesome life. It is derived from a root word that means one who is in a permanent relation of servitude to another, his will altogether consumed in the will of another. It is the picture of one who operates in life with an orphan heart. So basically, you're so entangled into bondage that you literally, it's like your will actually pours over into the will of another, and it becomes one to the point where you feel like you can't even get out. You're bond to it. It becomes one with. So in contrast to this adoption, which I also should have up there, adoption in the original Greek language is weothesia. It is derived from two root words, weos meaning son. We're familiar with that with sonship. And thesia, meaning place. So in scripture, to be adopted literally means to be placed into a position of a son or a daughter. Jesus was always referred to as what? A weos in the Bible. Wherever Whenever we repent as sinners and become washed in the blood of the Lamb, we are immediately translated into the kingdom of weas and adopted or placed into the position of a son or a daughter in the family of God, and we become, as Ephesians 2 and 9 says, what do we become? It says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Now, a lot of, it's kind of crazy when we read that scripture, and we always, we always remember the fact that it says that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, but the second sentence after that says you are members of God's family. So while all this dynamic stuff transpires in the spirit at the point of salvation, it does not mean, now get this part, it does not mean that we immediately acquire the character and the nature of our father as a daughter. 
even though all of this stuff is transpiring in the spirit. The Bible says that we are born again, placed as daughters in the kingdom of the son and given full covenant rights as citizens of the kingdom. However, our character and our nature must be developed into that of a daughter by growing and maturing in the spirit. Therefore, as the Bible says, when people do not do this, their lives become shipwrecked. They are given the position of a daughter through Christ, yet they continue to conduct the manner of their life as an orphan. They live under the influence and guidance of the orphan heart. Now let's define the orphan heart. So this sense, you know, this is what we are trying to allow the Father to heal for us. We need to see what this actually looks like so we can identify it when it comes up. Now these are just seven that I'm going through, okay? We're going to go through seven of these. But the first thing we're going to do before we go through these seven is we're going to actually define the orphan heart. What is the orphan heart? We define the orphan spirit. Now we're defining the orphan heart. Now, simply stated, the orphan heart is a learned behavior that becomes entrenched in the internal paradigm or mindset. It is the source of it is, is the deep wounding that most commonly occurs from your natural father. These deep wounds released a host of emotions in the soul that ultimately separates the child from their identity, from their security, from their sense of destiny, their purpose, and that by design is to be actually instilled by the father. All of those things that I listed are supposed to be instilled by your natural father, your identity, your security, your sense of destiny, your purpose. And in the Greek, the term orphan is orphanos and is translated into parentless, fatherless, and comfortless. So in figurative language, it speaks of one who is bereaved of a teacher a guide, a guardian. In Jesus' day, it was customary for Hebrew children to be assigned a rabbi. And they were responsible, actually, for their training. So if a rabbi was to die during the training of the child, the child was considered orphan, since no other rabbi would take the child to, in order to complete the training. And this is why Jesus said to his disciples in John 14 and 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is the basis in which why he was saying this. He wanted them to know he was not leaving them orphaned once he returns to the right hand of the Father. So, believers who are plagued by the orphan heart are those whose hearts are separated from acceptance, from love, from security, even in the presence of a church family who extends love and belonging. Their hearts are longing to belong, but they have the inability to do so. They have a disconnect in their souls that prevents them from engaging and trusting other people. 
And even as followers of Christ, they are unable to acknowledge or submit to authority, instruction, or direction from mothers and fathers of the faith who love them. Their hearts are deeply damaged by abandonment, rejection, and or abuse from those who were supposed to love them and nurture them and bless them, and they failed to do so. Now, if we observe the orphan-hearted individual, it will reveal some common characteristics that we're getting ready to go over. We're going to go over seven losses that an orphan heart goes through. Seven losses that an orphan goes through. The first one is the loss of belonging. The loss of belonging. And because the orphan heart feels lost in life, they experience isolation, loneliness, and a lack of identity. There is a continual search for the answer to the basic question, who am I? Without a father to establish identity and purpose, they wander through life in search of their identity. They look for someone who has their perceived qualities of a father and a mother, and they try to emulate them, and they often exhibit mannerisms, dress, and even personality traits in an effort to connect their lonely hearts to a parent figure they wish to be like, and this is what's going on with our youth. They're connecting to all of these rappers, all of these to musicians, because they're coming from fatherless homes. And when they're coming from fatherless homes, they have to connect to somebody that they feel as though, okay, this is the image in which I want to grow up into. So that's why we have all of these girls would be trying to be Nicki Minaj and all of these other women and looking at uh, Atlanta housewives. And because they're coming from fatherless homes, they need an image. They need an image to look up to, to grow into. The second thing that an orphan goes through is the loss of value. The loss of value. With the loss of value, the orphan's soul is filled with feelings of worthlessness, rejection, and sadness. This is especially true for those who have been abused or abandoned by a parent. The orphan-hearted hearted receive the message that their lives are unimportant, their contribution to the family is neither wanted or needed, and in short, they view themselves as undesirable to those who are supposed to love them, thus producing profound sadness and a sense of insignificance within themselves. Now, this is crazy. Now, you know when you're teaching and you're studying and you're reading and all of these different issues come before you and the loss of value probably was probably hit me the hardest and it hit me the hardest because the father really had to show me that this was an issue of mine and so and it's, it's crazy how God used this thing but I'll show you how, what he did and so me and my husband were um, getting ready to go to the gym. And um, my husband was like, we should bring the kids. You know, we should bring the kids with us to work out for the first time. I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. 
But really, in my heart, I really didn't want them to go, just being honest. I didn't want them to go. Now, not because I'm this bad mom or anything, but I didn't want them to go because, like, I spend so much time with people. I spend time with people in counseling sessions. I spend time with people in the ministry. I'm always spending time with people, counseling people, and all these other things. I said, I just want this to be my time, just my personal time. And from what my claim that I, you know, my claim that I had given to God, I felt like it was pretty legit, especially with all that I do. And the father was like, you can't do that. And of course, I <laughs> probably should have shugged that off and tried to go into tongues real loud. So I, and I ain't trying to hear that, but I didn't. And I'm like, why can't I? Why can't I do that? He said, because I had literally just studied the loss of value from the orphan heart. He says, because if you do that, you're going to literally show your daughters that they have no value. And the only reason why um, he was telling me this, and I'm like, I don't understand why, like, I don't understand the connection between them going there and that loss of value. And he says, it's like this. When there's a value on something, it's, it's, it's worth something. And when something is worth something, it's worth spending time with. And he says, the fact, he said, no, you can, you know, it's, it's not a thing of you getting time by yourself, but it's the very fact that you have to understand they're going to be growing into young women. And so literally their growth, you're part of their growth process. So if you don't spend quality time with them, they're going to feel as if we were, we were not worth it to spend time with you. They, and that's when they lose their value and their own self-worth because if mom and dad don't think that they're worth enough to spend time with, then who else? These are supposed to be the very people that are supposed to want to spend time with you, want to unconditionally love you. And if that connection is not made, then guess what? They go straight into relationship thinking the same thing, that they're unworthy, that they're not loved, that there's a loss of value in them. And he was just letting me know, you cannot do this. The third thing is the loss of security. And this comes in with rejection, abuse, the loss of worth that it creates, intense insecurities. And basically what this does is strikes fear into the core of the orphan's soul. Um, this is where peace, the people have hard times um, getting peace in their souls because it gets upseated by torment, they become tormented, and hopelessness takes charge of the mindset, which ultimately goes into suicide. Orphans will always see the glass half empty and have great difficulty surrendering their souls to the Father, even when taught that he is loving, he is caring, and he is nurturing to all believers. So this is, for example, this is where we and so how this tangibly looks is this, this is where we put up those invisible walls. <laughs> so we won't be, be vulnerable to people. 
this is what this looks like. This is what the loss of security looks like. So we put up these invisible walls so nobody else will hurt us. Well, you know, well, let me leave them before they leave me. Well, you know, let me, um, you know, sabotage this because I know it's not going nowhere. This is what this looks like. The other one is number four, we're on the loss of trust. And orphans pretty much have been deserted. This is where um, orphans have been deserted by those who are supposed to love and care for them. Therefore, they purpose to never allow themselves to be hurt again by those who call themselves fathers and mothers. Whether it be spiritually or naturally, there is a deficit in the trust level of those in authority because of the deep woundings that has happened to them in their childhood. Because of this, orphans reject order, especially God-appointed order, since ultimately they see God as a tyrant taskmaster rather than a loving father. Number five, this is a big one as well. <laughs> probably for me as well, the loss of relational capacity. The loss of relational capacity. The orphan-hearted person establishes walls also, this also is walls of protection against themselves from further hurts and wounds. Some have an excellent ability to develop business relationships and yet they short circuit when it comes to intimacy. There is a great difficulty getting close to people. They tend to keep others at arm's length and they find it challenging to maintain long-term relationships. And last is that they become anxious when, they, when people pretty much get too close to them, they sabotage their relationships in order to protect themselves. We got some work to do. <laughs> Number six, the loss of love and acceptance. So the need for love and acceptance within the orphan heart is so great that they are easy prey. Mm, this this is, is a big one, it is. Whew. They are easy prey for ungodly soul ties. Often looking, this is basically looking for love in all the wrong places. So when an orphan heart loses love and acceptance, they pretty much, they'll accept anything that comes their way. And this is where they get into all of those entanglements and those soul ties with other people, all these unhealthy relationships. They know this person is physically abusive. They know this person is verbally abusive. They know this person is, is financially abusive, emotionally abusive, but they still remain and they stay. Orphans will tend to become perfectionists in order to prove their own worth, and they will work hard if there's a reward of recognition and affirmation. And without this, there is little motivation to serve at all. When orphans reach out to help others, they are generally seeking attention to feel good about themselves. They're not reaching out to actually help you. They're reaching out so they can feel good about themselves. These individuals are the ones in the church who work themselves to the bone because their work becomes their identity. 
and it gives them their sense of worth. If you take their jobs away from them, if you take their career away from them, if you take their positions away from them, they feel like they're nothing. They feel like they have no identity, they have no purpose. And the last one is the loss of wise judgment. The loss of wise judgment. Statistics reveal that 90% of, of, of those that are homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. That's a high percentage. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. Many become easy prey for gangs, for human trafficking, seeking a secure environment of love and belonging. They often migrate to gangs, sex traffickers, pimps, prostitution, and, they, and these people become surrogate families for them. Orphan-hearted people will also readily pick up grievances against the status quo or establish a or establish authority of God-appointed leadership. They often seek affirmation and encouragement from church leaders to feel secure. However, order often equates to control and not love to them. They often seek affirmation. I said encouragement from them, and then this equals control. I said that. Therefore, alignment Pretty much any time you try to align something or any time you try to put things in order, it pretty much disquiets their souls. So when love is applied basically to facilitate change and maturation, orphans become very uncomfortable. They often look for the flaw in leadership or church members and they use it as an excuse in order to exit the church. Orphans are commonly the church hoppers that despise submission and then they flaunt their lawless behavior within the body of Christ. They commonly claim, I don't need you, I only need God. And so they remain fiercely independent and critical of any system that operates within an orderly structure and their attempt to save those within the body whom they perceive as blinded or held captive by the control of leadership is oftentimes the circumstances that exposes their own wounded hearts by doing so. So as you can see, this is a topic that needs to be talked about, not only in churches, but just nationwide. We're losing our fathers in our homes. We're losing our spiritual fathers in our churches. We're even losing the concept of God as a father across the nation. So you can see how it's a, going like a thread through everything. So, just like I promised you, I would not be before you long. If I can get the instrumental, uh, raise the instrumental. Thank you, Father.
I'm going to have all the women stand. Because this was, like I say, the introduction to the mini-series of orphan issues in women. So we're going to go deeper than this in, in the other lessons that is to come, but this is the, the introduction lesson of this. And I have all the women um, in the front row. Ladies, you go to the, the back, front row. Manushka Pierre. <laughs> all right, come forward right here. This is a certificate of adoption. This is to certify that Manushka Pierre has been adopted into the family of God by her brother, Jesus Christ, as an, and is entitled to all the rights and privileges of a daughter of God. Amen. 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 <laughs> Miss Serena Victoria. <laughs> this is your certificate of adoption. This is to certify that Serena Victoria has been adopted into the family of God by her brother Jesus Christ and is entitled to all the rights and privileges of a daughter of God. Amen. Miss Tanya Washington. This is your certificate of adoption. This is to certify that Tanya Washington has been adopted into the family of God by her brother Jesus Christ and is entitled to all the rights and privileges of a daughter of God. Amen. Miss yeah. Terry Walker. <laughs> this is to certify that Terry Walker has been adopted into the family of God by her brother Jesus Christ and is entitled to all the rights and privileges of a daughter of God. Amen. 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 Miss Mary A. Brown. This is your certificate of adoption. This is to certify that Mary A. Brown has been adopted into the family of God by her brother Jesus Christ and is entitled to all the rights and privileges of a daughter of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Miss Renee Cox. Knox. Certificate of adoption. This is to certify that Renee Knox has been adopted into the family of God by her brother Jesus Christ and is entitled to all the rights and privileges of a daughter of God. Amen. Amen. Miss Sandley Pierre. This is your certificate of adoption. 
This is the certified that Sandley Pierre has been adopted into the family of God by her brother Jesus Christ and is entitled to all the rights and privileges of a daughter of God. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Miss Kina Pierre. <laughs> this is your certificate of adoption. This is to certify that Kina Pierre has been adopted into the family of God by her brother Jesus Christ and is entitled to all the rights and privileges of a daughter of God. Amen. Thank you. And last but definitely not least, Miss Ola Williams. This is your certificate of adoption. This is to certify that Ola Williams has been adopted into the family of God by her brother Jesus Christ and is entitled to all the rights and privileges of a daughter of God. Amen. 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 Now, ladies, I'm going to pray this prayer over you yes can I get Pastor Pierre to um, anoint the ladies I pray this prayer over you guys once uh, Pastor Pierre is finished. <laughs> Amen. For every woman in here that didn't have a father, this is for you. For every woman who lost a husband, this is for you. For every woman whose father was removed from their life at an early age, this is for you. For every woman whose children's father left them, this is for you. For every woman whose father didn't give them the right image, every woman whose father didn't give them the right image of what a father looks like this is for you for every woman who father misused you abused you 
misguided you or misled you, this is for you. For every woman whose father was distant from you and never got the chance to bond with him, this is for you. For every woman who went through a divorce and was left to fend for yourself, this is for you. For every woman who never felt or experienced a father's love towards you, this is for you. For every woman who was left with a void in their heart, this is for you. For every woman who lost their identity because they didn't have a father, this is for you. You are called by God. You have been chosen. You have been saved. You have been forgiven. You have been washed and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, justified, redeemed, born of the word of God. You are beloved children by a loved father, sanctified and set apart for his use, a daughter of the king, a daughter of God. Welcome home, daughters of God. Welcome back into the garden. Welcome back into the garden of Eden.